Welcome to Cardiff City Church Podcast. We're a Pentecostal church in the center of Cardiff, dedicated to bringing hope in the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us today as we listen to a word brought to us by our pastoral team. Thanks so much, Rachel and Joel. Well, today is Mother's Day. It's a day for celebrating mums, for celebrating pregnant mums, mums of little ones, mums of grown-up children, foster mums, stepmums, grandmothers, godmothers, and spiritual mothers. Happy Mother's Day to all of you. You know, the Bible uses some beautiful maternal metaphors for God. A number of times God is referred to as a mother bird sheltering her children, and Jesus compares himself to a, a mother hen longing to gather her chicks. In the book of Hosea, God is compared to a mother bear. And in the book of Isaiah, God is described as, um, compared to a woman in childbirth, a, a nursing mother and a woman who comforts her children. These images remind us of the amazing ways in which mothers reflect the image of God. As mums comfort and feed their babies, they're reflecting God. As mums guide and encourage their children, they're reflecting God. As mums protect their children, they're reflecting God. As mums speak life and truth into their children, they're reflecting God. As mums disciple and teach the word of God to their children, they're reflecting God. As women look after children who haven't got a biological mum who can look after them, they're reflecting God. And as women take on the role of spiritual mothers to others, they're reflecting God. And so today seemed like a great day to talk about one of the most formidable women in the Bible, a strong leader and a spiritual mother, and someone who in these uncertain times that we're in, I feel like we all learn a lot from. And so today we're going to be talking about the character of Deborah. And my message today is entitled, Dare to be like Deborah. Dare to be like Deborah. We can read about Deborah in Judges chapters 4 and 5. And the context here is that in Israel's spiral of sin and oppression and deliverance, they've once again turned to evil and have found themselves being oppressed again. They're spiritually and physically weak and they're living in fear. They're avoiding certain routes. They've got no-go areas for fear of being attacked by the Canaanites. Do you know, some of that might sound a little bit familiar at the moment as we're all having to stay at home and we're surrounded by quite a lot of fear and uncertainty. But in this context here, the Israelites cry out to God for help. Deborah is leading Israel at the time and she's not only a judge, but she's also a prophet. And it's under her leadership that Israel overcomes their oppressors and gains freedom and lives in peace for 40 years in Judges 5-7, Deborah's role in leading Israel is likened to motherhood. It says, villages in Israel would not fight. They held back until I, Deborah, arose, until I arose a mother in Israel. Now, we don't know whether Deborah had any children of her own, but this reference to her being a mother in Israel could also be translated as a mother of Israel. So she's a, a spiritual mother. She's a matriarch. She's a, a leader. And there's a lot we can learn from Deborah. But I want to pull out three key things that God gave to her that we can all have a bit more of if we dare to be like Deborah. And so when we first meet Deborah in Judges chapter 4, we're told that she's leading Israel. She's a judge and a prophet, and the people of Israel will go to her to have their dispute settled. Now, some of you who've got more than one child might be thinking, oh, that is why she's referred to as a mother, because she settles the disputes amongst the children. Deborah settles disputes, and her wisdom and authority is respected. And when the people cry out to God to help them, Deborah sends for Barak 
to tell him the plan to defeat the Canaanite army. Now, this is a smart move because Barak's a northerner. He knows the area. He knows the situation. He knows the land. And so she's a judge who judges wisely and she gives wise direction. But here's the most important bit. Her wisdom is God-given. Her wisdom comes from God. The plan that she tells Barak isn't her own. It's God's plan. In Judges 4 and verse 6, it says, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you. Deborah speaks what she hears from God. She isn't just a woman who has knowledge. She has wisdom. There's a difference. Do you know that you can have knowledge without wisdom, but you can't have wisdom without knowledge? Many of you will know that toddlers love to join in with whatever their parents are doing. You you must have experienced that at some point. Um, Even the most kind of mundane of tasks toddlers seeing adults do, they think is really fun and exciting and they want to join in. Well, when I was about three, I saw my mum doing some cleaning and I decided that I wanted to have a job. I wanted to join in in some way. And so my mum gave me the job of cleaning the rubber plant. Now, if you're not familiar, a rubber plant can grow quite tall, which ours had, and it has kind of large, flat, lovely leaves, which look great, but they can obviously gather quite a lot of dust. And so I was given the very important job of cleaning the plant. And so I was given a a bowl of water and a cloth and told to go and clean the rubber tree, the rubber plant. So off I went, my mum went back to the kitchen, and uh, after about five minutes, she came into the lounge to check on how I was doing and found a bowl full of water with the cloth, with a stack of leaves. And I'd carefully taken every single leaf off of that rubber plant to wash it in the bowl. So we were left with not a rubber plant, but a rubber stalk. (laughs) Now, you might have heard the phrase that knowledge is knowing a tomato is a fruit, but wisdom is not putting in a fruit salad. Well, in my house, I think the phrase from then on was probably a little bit more like, knowledge is knowing that toddlers quite like to do random jobs, but wisdom is not letting them do those jobs unsupervised. Deborah was wise because she listened to God, because she heard what God said and she put it into practice. Proverbs 9.10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Do you know, all too often we don't take seriously this idea of fear of the Lord. Quite often when we understand that God is in fact love, of course. And so how can we reconcile that with us being told to fear God? And the Bible does tell us numerous times, do not fear. We're told not to fear the world. We're told not to fear our circumstances. We're told not to fear other people. And if there ever was a time for the world to hear the message, do not fear, it would be now. When so many are fearful because of the coronavirus pandemic, the world needs to hear this message, do not fear. We are called to be a people who are not in fear. We are called to be a people who do not fear. And the reason we're told not to fear is because of God. We're called not to fear despite our circumstances, not because we haven't got something to be fearful of, but because of God. God. We're told not to fear because God is with us, because God is our constant, because God goes with us wherever we are. Here's the thing. God is not on a par with our circumstances, with other people, or even with the coronavirus pandemic. God is mightier. God is is greater. God is more powerful. God is over all. But we are to fear the Lord. And what this means is that we're to put God in his rightful place. We're to have an awe and a reverence for God. We're to not want to go against his will. This isn't about being afraid of God. It's about not wanting to be in opposition to him, not wanting to dishonor him. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom because when God is in his rightful place in our lives, we make wise choices and we make wise decisions. 
Wisdom is speaking and acting with the discernment that comes from the Holy Spirit, comes from having the Holy Spirit living within us. Do you know, we need the Holy Spirit. We need to be so filled with the Holy Spirit to have him help us guide our thoughts and our actions so that we can use godly wisdom, the godly wisdom that only comes by being filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you know that God is so gracious? God is so gracious to us. He is ready and he is willing to give us wisdom. But it requires an intimacy between us and God. It requires us to know his word and to be filled with his Holy Spirit. Wisdom isn't just about knowing God's word. It's about doing something with that. It's about putting into action our knowledge of God, our knowledge of his word in the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is what Deborah does. She hears from God and she acts upon it. What would it look like if you dared to have wisdom like Deborah? What would it look like if you didn't just get to know what God was saying, but you put into practice his word? What if God was in his rightful place in your life? What if you asked God for wisdom every day? Let me encourage you today. Dare to have wisdom. The second trait that Deborah had in bucket loads is courage. Deborah was a courageous and bold leader. After she tells Barak that what God is commanding him to do, he responds by saying, if you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. Now, Barak gets, gets a bit of a rough time sometimes from some commentators who accuse him of weakness or cowardice, but I think there is an alternative interpretation to his statement. Remember, Barak is listed in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11. He's listed as one of the faithful who God used to conquer kingdoms. So perhaps this is a statement of faith. Perhaps Barak is actually recognizing Deborah's leadership, recognizing that she hears from God. And so she's useful to have around. This statement seems more like a statement of faith than of cowardice. But back to Deborah. Deborah's response is, certainly I will go with you. This is not somebody who shrank back. This is not somebody who hesitated. I remember the battle was against a significant army with decent weaponry. They had 900 iron chariots, whereas Israel had none. So in human terms, the risk was high. But Deborah didn't hesitate. She said, I'm in. Of course, I will come with you. That is true leadership. Not holding back, not hesitating. That old adage that you might have heard of, don't ask people to do what you're not willing to do yourself, is really applicable here. Deborah relays God's command, and when asked by her general, by her second-in-command to come along, she doesn't hesitate. Do you know, there are some people who, while they acknowledge Deborah's courage and leadership, they claim that she's some sort of anomaly, that um, she was only used because there were no willing or suitable men available at the time. Some argue that Deborah was a kind of plan B for God, that he had no other option but to settle for her. Now, there are a number of problems with this argument. The first is that nowhere in the text does it indicate that Deborah being female was a problem. Nowhere is it actually recorded that her being female was an unusual thing, in fact. When we're introduced to Deborah, we're clear that she is female, but it's not remarked upon. Compare, compare that to Ehud, who is the last person that God used to deliver the Israelites. We're introduced to him in Judges chapter 3 as a left-handed man. So that was remarked upon, but Deborah being female wasn't. The second problem with this argument is that there were men in Israel at the time. Barak led an army of 10,000 men. Judges 4 tells us that 10,000 men came to fight. Nobles, princes, and kings are mentioned in chapters 4 and 5. This was not a man-free zone. 
Thirdly, and really importantly, a key problem with the argument that there were no willing or suitable men is that God has never been restricted by apparent availability, willingness, or suitability. Let's look at a few examples in the Bible to look at this. Firstly, Jonah. Jonah was unwilling and unavailable. This is a guy who literally ran away from the call of God. And God went to great lengths to use him. God commanded him to go to Nineveh and he ran away. He went to sea. He was thrown overboard and swallowed by a big fish. And God caused the fish to vomit him up and um, commanded him again to go to Nineveh. And so Jonah being unwilling or unavailable did not stop God from using him. Or how about Gideon? Gideon was unwilling and unsuitable. When God calls Gideon to save Israel, Gideon questions his circumstances and says he's the weakest in his clan. His initial response is to object, so he wasn't willing, and he was a bit of a fearful farmer, so he's not even suitable, yet God used him. Or how about Mary? Mary was pretty unsuitable. We're looking for somebody to birth and raise the Son of God. A poor, unmarried uh, woman wouldn't seem like the most suitable choice. And yet that is who God chose. Or how about Peter? Peter was pretty unsuitable. This is someone who acted rashly. He chopped off the ear of somebody who came to arrest Jesus. He denied Jesus not just once, but three times. This isn't somebody who'd be suitable to start the church. And yet this is who God used to spread the gospel mightily. God is not restricted by a lack of willingness or availability or suitability. He is God. We should never underestimate his plans and his purposes. The kingdom of God is advancing and God uses who he wants to use. Deborah wasn't the leader of Israel because there were no willing or suitable men available. Deborah was the leader of Israel because that is who God had appointed to lead Israel. If you're not sure whether God can or will use you, know this. God can and will use who he wants to use. Now, some of you at this time may not be feeling very courageous. Maybe you're thinking that there are those people who are really brave and then there's you. Do you know that courage is like a muscle? Courage is like a muscle. And for a lot of us, facing every day is an act of courage at the moment. And so every day we're flexing that courage muscle. We're getting stronger in our courage every day. So Deborah's boldness responds to Barak's request to go to the battle with a definite yes. And her courage was contagious. Barak agreed to lead and fight and 10,000 volunteers willingly agreed to fight. In Deborah's song in Judges 5-7, she sings, villages in Israel would not fight. They held back until I, Deborah, arose, until I arose a mother in Israel. Her courage was contagious. Do you know that there are two key ways in which we can inspire courage in other people? The first is by having courage yourself. It's catching. I shared in a service recently about uh, a woman called Helen from Eritrea, whose story has blown me away. Helen was a worship leader and a Bible teacher, and um, she was arrested and imprisoned for her faith. And she spent 32 months imprisoned in a metal shipping container, freezing cold at night and boiling hot in the daytime. And on the first day of her imprisonment, and she was sat with her Bible study group who were also arrested with her, the group looked to her and said, what do we, what do, we do now? What are we going to do now? And Helen responded by saying, now we sing. Now 
we sing. And every day of her imprisonment, she sang. Even when she was tortured and beaten, she sang. Even when she was put outside of the shipping container at night in the freezing cold desert, she sang. Courage is contagious. Courage is contagious. The other key way in which we can inspire courage in other people is by encouraging them. The word encourage is to give someone confidence, to give them courage. Last summer, Dominic and I moved to Cardiff and moved into our house. And in the back garden, there was a beautiful tree that had a kind of spherical shaped leaves. It was really quite beautiful. But after a couple of months, it had grown and become a bit unruly. And so we realized that we needed to uh, give it a bit of a trim. Now, um, neither Dominic or I are gardeners, I'll be honest. I have progressed a little bit since the rubber plant days, <laughs> you'll be pleased to hear, but um, we're still not gardeners. And so Dominic was nominated with the task of trimming the tree. And of course, in true toddler style, our eldest Ariella asked to have a job to help. And so she was given the job of collecting all the leaves and the branches that Dominic chopped down um, as he did that. And so they got on with their job and I carried on with what I was doing. And a bit later, I came to the garden and uh, found a completely bare tree. I'm not even exaggerating. The tree was completely bare. And when I asked Dominic, how has this happened? He said, well, every time I cut a branch down, Ariella just kept saying, good job, daddy. So I just kept on going. <laughs> encouragement really can make a difference for someone. When you speak encouragement to people, you can literally give them courage. Pablo Picasso once said, when I was a child, my mother said to me, if you become a soldier, you'll be a general. If you become a monk, you'll end up as the Pope. Instead, I became a painter and wound up as Picasso. Your words of encouragement have power. When you speak to someone about all that they can be, when you speak to them about how they reflect the image of God, when you let someone know that they're seen and that they're not alone, you can give them courage. What would it look like if you dared to have courage like Deborah? What would it look like if you inspired courage, courage in other people? What would it look like if you had the bravery to say yes to God? My second encouragement for us today is dare to have courage. The third trait that really stands out in Deborah is her passion. Deborah had a passion for the people of Israel, for their freedom and for their deliverance out of the hands of their oppressors. In Judges 5.9, she says, My heart is with Israel's princes, with the willing volunteers among the people. Deborah was someone who committed her whole heart, who let passion drive her. A few years ago, I was at a prison in the east of England, and I met a guy who wanted to share his story about how he became a Christian. He told me that on his first day in prison, which was a, a Friday afternoon, he was taken to his cell with a roll of bedding and little else. Now, the first person who came along to his cell was somebody who was checking some details with him, and he asked them, can I have a toilet roll? And the person said, I'm not responsible for giving out toilet rolls. A little bit later, somebody else came along to tell him about timings over the weekends. And he asked them, can I have a toilet roll? And they said, I wouldn't know where to get one, sorry. Third person who came along was a prison officer. And the man asked him for a toilet roll. And the officer said, I can get you one, but not until later this evening after I've done all the rounds of the wings. The last person who came to visit the man that day on his first day in prison was the prison chaplain. And the man asked him, can you get me a toilet roll, please? The chaplain went off, got a toilet roll, came back and gave it to the man. Because of that chaplain's kindness, that man went to the chapel, he did Alpha, and he gave his life to Jesus. Because of his kindness, a life was transformed. 
Little did I know when I heard this story years ago that we'd be in a situation now where so many people are scouring the shelves for toilet rolls. Imagine the kindness that we could show to other people in sharing with others, in being the person that others can reach out to. We can make a difference. Maybe, just maybe, there'll be more people reporting that they come into a relationship with Jesus than it all started because of a toilet roll. If our care and passion for people drives us to acts of kindness, who knows what could happen? So Deborah had a passion for the people of Israel, but even greater than that was her passion for God. In Judges chapter 5, we can read the words of Deborah's song where she gives all of the victory of the battle to God. Verse 3 says, I, even I, will sing to the Lord. I'll praise the Lord, the God of Israel, in song. Chapter 5 is a a great retelling of all that happened. Chapter 4 is the narrative, and chapter 5 is the poetry. And in her song, Deborah describes the, the battle All the time, she ensures that the victory sits squarely with God. She gives God the honor. She gives God the glory. She gives God the praises. Her her, um, praise of God is sung out for all to hear. In this time of uncertainty, we need to fix our eyes on God and we need to praise him. We need to look to him, our help in times of trouble, our solid rock, our firm foundation. Let's praise him through this storm. Let's worship him despite the uncertainty. Do you know, it's been amazing to see so many acts of kindness, people getting to know their neighbors, helping those who are in need. And that is the consequence of having a passion for God is having a love and a passion for other people. What would it look like if you dared to have passion like Deborah? What if your passion for people drove your actions? What if your passion for God was evident to all? What if your passion for God meant that you were obedient to him? What if your passion for God meant that you sang out his praises for all to hear? My third encouragement for us today is dare to have passion. Church, let's be inspired by Deborah, this mother of Israel, this leader of Israel. Let's dare to have wisdom. Let's dare to have courage. Let's dare to have passion. All these things are given by God, and they're not just for a character in the Bible. They're for us today. Godly wisdom, the wisdom to make the right decisions and be able to respond to challenges. God-inspired courage, the courage to withstand and face any crisis and a passion for God that inspires us to praise him regardless of the circumstances and to love other people. Dare to be like Deborah and see what victory God can bring. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you give wisdom in abundance. Thank you that you give us courage, that we don't need to rely on our own strength, that we can look to you. And Lord, thank you that you can give us a passion, both for praising your name and for loving others. God, today, for each one of us, would you give us the wisdom and the courage and the passion that we need in these uncertain times? Would we be a people who praise you despite our circumstances? Would we be a people who look to you and stand with courage? Would you give us a wisdom to make the right decisions in these situations? We worship you today. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. To find out more, visit our website at citychurchcardiff.com or find us on social media.